My name is Jay Clark. I am one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, we're delighted to share in this worship time with you today. Uh, it's a double holiday weekend. Uh, of course, uh, we in the United States uh, are remembering our fallen soldiers who gave their life for our country, and we remember those uh, this Memorial Day weekend. But it's also Pentecost Sunday, uh, where we remember uh, that Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us to continue to do God's work in the world. So I invite you to hear this story from uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And because of its length, that's the reason I had you be seated, but it's also so you could focus on the words uh, while I'm reading it. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. And how is it that we're able to hear? We're amazed and astonished. They said, are all these who are speaking not Galileans? And how is it that we're able to hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed, all were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But then others sneered and said, these people are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before coming to the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Trenton. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? Oh. Oh, that was so wonderful. You should have seen them at the sanctuary this morning. They just kind of looked at me like, here? Um, anyway, you may remember that, that call. Uh, that was the cry from the other side of the gym or from the other side of the arena. 
uh, at a basketball game when I was in junior high school. I know that many of you remember that kind of chant, and it was so simple. You know, one side started it, the other side repeated the same thing, and it went back and forth, back and forth, until one side started saying, we've got more, we've got more, we've got more, and it kept going on and on and on. And today is the day of Pentecost, a day where the power of God is revealed seven weeks after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Next to Christmas and next to Easter, I would say this is one of the three holy days that we as Christians look forward to. Some may call this the birthday of the church, but I guess one would also have to ask, how long has God been planning this birthday party? Pastor David Bender writes, the poetry of Genesis describes God's creative spirit blowing over the formless void. And Genesis 2 narrates the life-giving breath of God. Later, the spirit appears in times of darkness and distress. One group of people of God sat in exile in Babylon, and others gather the pieces of a shattered world of Israel. The prophet Isaiah promises the coming of the one whom the Spirit shall rest, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding and counsel, and the might of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. During the time of domination and abuse from the Holy, Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, oppression and judgment of the religious authorities, an elitism and slavery of the ruling classes, Luke promises John's, Luke records John's promise of the one who will baptize by the Spirit, and Jesus later agrees. Now, I've often said that the Holy Spirit doesn't always get equal billing with the other two parts of the Trinity. I believe that the Spirit has always been but oftentimes we fail to open the gift. Jesus made it clear that he was leaving this powerful peace with the disciples so that they, so that we, because we're disciples too, could continue the work that God had started. We're very similar to the disciples. When we are full and happy, we may not notice opportunities around us for growth and renewal. But when we are fearful and even anxious, we become more open to recognizing that God's presence is among us. Of course, the disciples still missed Jesus. They still mourned his absence. It was into this space that God poured the Holy Spirit, revealing the gift of the Holy Spirit that means that no one needs to do this alone. No one needs to carry any burden by themselves. The power and magnificence of the arrival of the Holy Spirit demonstrated that when Jesus died, his death did not make him smaller. It provided us with the opportunity to get bigger. 
Theologian Walter Brueggemann said, Pentecost is the moment when gestation, gestation ceases and birthing occurs. When, when I was a kid, the, the greatest non-toy at my grandparents' house was the fireplace bellows. Do you remember that? So I could, they could have all kinds of toys there, but my first stop was to go to the fireplace, pick up the bellows, and walk around poofing it in people's faces. And I loved, and I would just giggle because their hair would kind of shoot up like this. And then I'd turn it around, and I'd start doing it to myself, and I would just laugh. And, and it was just a great toy. All that to say is the Holy Spirit is much more than just a puff of air. It's, it's not what's left over when Jesus has left the building. It, it's not the exclusive privilege of a self-assured few. It's the force that will change this world into the home of God and change us into the faithful people that we were created to be. Once again, God has sent us the Holy Spirit to offer guidance and, and to provide the power to change, to put aside our fear, our mourning, and to become people with courage, to become people with flexibility, impartiality, and especially people with grace. Some of you may remember the late Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart. He said, I know it when I see it. This was part of a 1964 conversation about how the Supreme Court would handle obscenity. And the best he could do was to say, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. There are many powerful forces in our lives, both, both positive and negative. And some, how you measure those things, it's very difficult. Think about trying to measure quality or goodness or kindness. Then think about how to measure, say, envy or lust. It's not easy. But like the Supreme Court justice, we know it when we see it. Now think about how to measure the beauty of the sunrise. The beauty of the sunrise or, or the gracefulness of a robin. Or even the strength of the wind. Wind is an invisible force. We know it when we feel it. But how can we really describe it or measure it? Jesus says the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. And he goes on to say, so is it with everyone born of the Spirit. For thousands of years, no one thought that the wind could really be measured. But then in the late 1700s, a cabin boy in the British Navy began to keep a meteorological journal so that he could stay on top of the weather conditions. His name was Francis Beaufort. And he went on to become a rear admiral and served the Navy for 68 years. Over the course of his career, he developed a method for describing the wind, and it became better known as the Beaufort Scale. And according to Beaufort, you've got your calm, you've got your 
light breeze. Then it's the moderate breeze. And then it's the strong breeze. And as the wind gets stronger, he refers to it as a gale. And then a storm. And finally, it's a hurricane. Later, the scale was expanded to include five categories of hurricanes based on the strength of the wind. And Beaufort didn't have wind speeds at the time, so he wrote rather poetic descriptions of the categories based on what the wind did to the sea. Calm, the sea was like a mirror. When a light breeze is blowing, you see small wavelets on the water, and the crests don't break. It looks like ripples. The moderate breeze creates small waves, while a strong breeze generates large waves with white foam crests and probably spray. When a gale is beginning to blow, you see moderately high waves and crests that break into the sea spray. A storm is defined by very high waves with long overhanging crests. The surface of the sea takes a white appearance, and the tumbling of the sea becomes heavy. And at the top of the scale is a hurricane, a wind condition you don't want to see firsthand, if you can help it. The air is filled with foam and spray, says Beaufort, and the sea is completely white with driving spray. With his descriptions of every condition from calm to hurricane, Francis Beaufort created a way to describe wind. And that scale is still used today. In our scripture, it sounds like it was a windy day in Jerusalem when the disciples gathered to celebrate the harvest festival. Acts tells us that there came a sound like a rushing and violent wind, and it filled the entire house where the apostles were sitting. Tongues of fire rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Suddenly, the international crowd that had gathered in Jerusalem could hear the apostles speaking about God's deeds of power. They could understand what the apostles were saying because they were speaking the native languages of each and every person. But the force of the wind did not just stop there. It inspired the apostle Peter, who had acted like such a coward months before, denying he even knew Jesus, to stand in front of this mob of mockers and shout, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, Listen to what I say. Peter proclaimed that the coming of the Holy Spirit matched the words of the prophet Joel, words that told how God would pour out God's Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, said Peter to the crowd, and everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. People were impacted, lives were changed. And it was for the apostles and for the members of the crowd alike, it was the spiritual storm of the century. How can we measure this kind of force of wind? We, if we applied the Beaufort scale, 
to the winds of the Spirit, what would that look like? How do we experience the Holy Spirit in our lives today? So let's look at calm, because I think we all like calm. It's the condition that we experience the Spirit when it leads us, when it equips us, gives us serenity and peace. When the scale reads calm, we're given peace and a sense of purpose in our lives. We know that we belong to God and we now possess that sense of direction. At other times, the Holy Spirit may be a strong breeze, a spirit wind that has creative quality to it that leads to surprising improvements and new directions for us in our lives. In the Bible, it's often seen as the wind of God that swept over the face of the waters at the beginning of creation. Maybe this is the spirit wind that came upon the leaders of the Old Testament when they were charged with doing new tasks and new missions. When we head into a situation where there are new directions, fresh opportunities, unlimited possibilities, we look to the Holy Spirit for that strong breeze to empower us to do God's will. Higher on the scale... Higher on the scale of the spirit is the gale, a force that breaks unhealthy patterns, shakes up the status quo. In a world that so often fights fire with fire and responds to violence with even more violence, we're given the power that we need to move in a different direction. Now, this is, this is a powerful wind, the gale. It's one that can knock us off balance. It's one that can push us out of our comfort zones. And we need to ask ourselves, are we really willing to go in that direction that it pushes us? And finally, at the top is the hurricane. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I believe that what was experienced in that Pentecost day was gale strength. The disciples were reoriented from looking inward to themselves and looking outward uh, toward a world that was in desperate need of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were changed from fearful disciples into fearless evangelists. And then they headed off into the mission field with a powerful sense of purpose that the Spirit had given them. Gale strength gets our attention. And it's still scary. To me, hurricane strength, a hurricane strength Holy Spirit could also be very destructive. And I don't necessarily want to experience that if I'm very honest. But I know the power is there. The power of God at work. You see the breaking down of language. You see the breaking down of culture barriers. The empowering of frightened disciples. The courageous sharing of Christ with the world. After the winds of the Spirit, the disciples learn that they are capable of so much more. When I compared different translations of Scripture to what that mighty wind was... Some said a rushing wind, a mighty wind, a fierce wind, a strong wind, a strong wind with gale force were some of the ones that were used. So Christmas, Christmas is when it all starts. Jesus is born and God is with us. 
Emmanuel in the flesh is here at last. Easter, when we learn about that the church cannot die, it survives and it lives on. But it is at Pentecost when we learn that we are all in this together. That humans cannot do the work that God and gospel are bigger than divisions of language and geography. And that we are resilient. We're resilient. Pentecost is when we find out that we cannot do this alone. Christmas and Easter are easier. It's one thing to adore the baby Jesus, another to mourn the death of Jesus, but it's something else, and to many it's very scary to proclaim the gospel in every action we take and to publicly proclaim ourselves to be those people. Pentecost gives us our marching orders from God. Without Pentecost, we would just be people who told the Jesus story. Because of Pentecost, we are part of the Jesus story. The radical and mysterious and dangerous thing the Spirit does has always been to transform us into the body of Christ. And sometimes despite us, sometimes against us, but always for us. Because it's only the Spirit who can turn us from they to we. The Taze community in France sings a song called Vine Sancte Spiritus, meaning come Holy Spirit. And I'm going to close while using that prayer, and I want you to listen to the word. So if you'll bow with me. Come Holy Spirit, from heaven shine forth with your glorious light. Vine Sancte Spiritus. Come, Father of the poor. Come, generous spirit. Come, light our hearts. Vene Sancte Spiritus. Come from the four winds, O Spirit. Come, breath of God. Disperse the shadows over us. Renew and strengthen your people. Vene Sancte Spiritus. Most kindly warming light, Enter the inmost depths of our hearts, for we are faithful to you. Without your presence, we have nothing worthy, nothing pure. Vene Sancte Spiritus. You are only comforter, peace of the soul. In the heat, you shade us. In our labor, you refresh us. And in trouble, you are our strength. Vine Sancte Spiritus. On all who put their trust in you and receive you in faith, shower all your gifts. Grant that they may grow in you and preserve to the end. Give them lasting joy. Vine Sancte Spiritus. Amen. The Holy Spirit is now complete. As the church father Tertullian wrote of the Trinity, consider the Father as a deep root, the Son as the shoot that breaks forth into the world, and the Spirit. The Spirit is that which spreads 
beauty and fragrance. May it be so. Vine Sancte Spiritus. Amen.